Hey Spirit fans, this is Seth Askelson, and I hope you are enjoying every episode of the OUAZ Athletics Podcast. We are looking forward to bringing you a wide range of guests as we ramp up to the fall season and want you to tune in to each episode to get the best insight and stories from all Spirit programs. As our guest list grows on the podcast, so will our ways you can tune in. The OUAZ Athletics Podcast is now available on Spotify, Google Play Music, Apple Podcasts, and of course, on the website at ouazspirit.com slash podcasts. Please rate, review, and subscribe to let us know who you want to hear next and to never miss the next installment. Those four great platforms are where you can find our brand new episodes every week the moment they are available. Once again, you can now find every episode of the OUAZ Athletics Podcast on Spotify, Google Play Music, Apple Podcasts, and at OUAZSpirit.com slash podcasts. Welcome in OUAZ Spirit fans. My name is Seth Askerson. We're here for yet another edition of the OUAZ Athletics Podcast. My guest today, the OUAZ men's and women's tennis head coach, Brad Louderback. Brad, how are you today? Hey, doing great. Thank you, Seth. Yeah, thanks for joining me here today. I know uh, a big busy time for you as you guys are starting to gear up for what will be season four, but it's been kind of an awkward time, I think, for everybody. What uh, have you been able to stay safe for the, over these last few months, and, and what are you guys doing in preparation for the upcoming season? Well, I, you know, um, I think everybody's been doing kind of the same thing, staying in, wearing masks, going out when you have to, and uh Tennis-wise, it's been kind of interesting. Some of the facilities across the country, where wherever our players are coming from, uh, their facilities aren't even open, yet some of the facilities are open on a temporary basis. So I've kind of just let our team know, stay in shape. Get, get yourself uh, disciplined on a regimen. Be, uh, eat right. Uh, this stuff will creep up on you. Even though they say stay in, you can get out, you can run, you can be active, you can still do stuff with your racket, you can uh, do whatever you need to do, but mainly stay in shape, and uh, where you can and when you can, get out there and, and hit. The problem this year is the tournaments have been very limited, and a lot of sports like golf and tennis, summer's a time to get out and play tournaments, and uh, those have been limited. Uh, and again, a lot of the families, they just don't want their children out doing that right now. So I think we've probably been about the same as everybody. We're just trying to take care of ourselves. And I think everybody's really looking forward to the season and getting back with everybody and get this thing started. Yeah, I know we've been back in the offices for about uh, two or three weeks now. And you got a couple new GAs for yourself uh, as you guys are starting to really gear up. Uh, but And like you mentioned as well, I mean, golf, tennis, a lot of amateur tournaments that aren't aren't available right now and and staying in shape and for tennis it's one of those sports right I think when people watch it on tv I mean great athletes but a lot of running and you know a lot of racket work but what are some of the other things that people may not know when it comes to what tennis players need to do to stay in shape and keep their bodies healthy well you know uh whatever they have access to in a weight room tennis has changed throughout the last 15 or 20 years like any sport uh, we're no different than anybody. We're looking at, at doing things with our muscles a little differently than what football would be. But uh, Cody will put together a really good program for him this fall. Uh, 
again, that changes things. If you think about it, we're not a priority sport this fall. And so we will take whatever's given to us. You know, you're going to have soccer and football. Uh, basketball will be creeping in with volleyball. Um, so we've got some sports that are going to have to take some priority. But I think uh, we're looking forward to getting back here with Cody and having a more disciplined program that they probably are not on at home. Cody sends them programs. But, you know, a lot of the gyms were closed. So uh, it's kind of like what they do on their own a little bit those last couple months. Yeah, it, and I think we had Cody Hodgson on here uh, on the podcast a few weeks ago and really talking to all the coaches. It's it's like you said, you know, nothing's really open. There's not a lot of availability in terms of uh, gyms, and so Cody really doing a good job uh, trying to help and, and keep those kids in shape. And for yourself, I mean, you've coached a long time, but before you even coached, you were a pretty good college tennis player yourself. Um, you played at Oklahoma State. I mean, your playing career was distinguished. You were captain of the team, won three straight conference titles, NCAA tournament three years in a row. You were a conference singles and doubles champion. What was that time like at Oklahoma State for you? And, I mean, in, in a sport that's really changed since, you know, the late 70s when you played, what's what's different now in college tennis than when you were playing yourself? Well, now, Oklahoma State's very dear to me. I was able to coach there and play there. And, I spent nine years of my life there. We've got eight conference championships in my nine years as a player and a coach. So it's very special to me. Very different. Uh, when I was in school, that was in the uh, late 70s, early 80s, and we had what was called Iba Hall. It was an athletic dorm, and all the athletes lived in the dorm. And I, I lived there for four years. And then I went off and did some other coaching, of course, uh, at, at some places. And, and then when I returned at Oklahoma State, it was already different. So just in that time period, in the 80s, things were starting to change. The players were now in apartments. And Iba Hall was now a, uh, it, it was an administrative building. <laughs> so it only took a few years for it to change. And the student athletes now were living out in, in apartments. And I didn't like that at the start as when I went back to coach. Uh, at Oklahoma State because I knew how special it was to have all the athletes together in a dorm. But the times changed, and that's never, you know, they've never looked back. Um, but a lot of things have changed in athletics. Um, you know, there's a lot more rules. There's a lot more things you have to be aware of when you are coaching the youngsters, uh, young men and women. Um, I would say I have worked the last four or five years, especially the last three years here at OUAZ, uh, just becoming the best coach that I can become and understanding that the student athletes look at things a lot differently than they did back a long time ago when I was in college. But I do know that those years when I was in college were four of the greatest years of my life. I loved it. And that's what we have, uh, Kevin has, deve has developed and and nurtured us as coaches and, and, and made us know that uh, we're here to give these young student athletes a, an experience that they'll never forget. And, and uh, I love the college level because uh, what, a, what a time in your life that is the, probably one of the biggest change, you know, changes in your life is going to be made in that brief four-year period. You're on your own for the first time. And so I look at as, as coaching, um, we have to change as coaches. Uh, 
we have to also keep some of the things that we learned that were important that a lot of the young student athletes aren't getting nowadays. They look at their phones, their social skills are, are not where they should be. Um, so uh, I look at, it's really been a challenge. Uh, it's what's it, I don't know, Seth, it's probably been an over 30, probably closer to a 40 year span for me. That's a long time. Yeah, I mean, 30, 40 years of success, though. And you mentioned, I mean, eight of nine, eight conference titles in the nine years as a player and a coach. I'm sure the Big Eight and what's now known as the Big 12 Conference was probably not too sad to see you leave when you <laughs> moved on to, to, to greener pastures and, and greater things. But, um, yeah, I mean, when we take a look at your coaching career, uh, first came at Illinois. You graduated from Oklahoma State in 1979, and then you got um, your first head coaching position was at Illinois um, in 1982. What was that process like, and what was that first experience as a coach? That was my, be that was my, s my second best experience. I was fortunate to be the assistant coach at Clemson under Chuck Creasy, who uh, uh, was, was at that time probably the, the number one college tennis coach in America. And he also made me his assistant Junior Davis Cup coach. So when I went to Illinois, I became the Junior Davis Cup coach. But... Uh, took over a program that was at the very bottom of the Big Ten Conference. I remember walking into the equipment room, and they had a one wooden Jack Kramer tennis racket, a couple pair of cream-colored Jack Kramer tennis shorts, which you, Seth, wouldn't even remember. They had a box of old dead tennis balls, and that was it. And, and, and they're in the Big Ten Conference. And so I was only 22 or 23, I guess 23 at the time, and uh, uh, when the athletic director put me on the plane after my interview, he, he offered me that position. And uh, that was one of the best experiences I've ever had. In that five-year period, uh, we were fortunate to go from uh, the bottom of the Big Ten to in three years, we won the Big Ten Conference. And we're a top 21 team, top 20 team in the, in the United States. And that kind of launched me into the, into the coaching. Um, and so it was really fun to build a program in the Big Ten Conference and go from the bottom to the top. And uh, I didn't have an assistant coach then. It was just me. And so I learned everything the hard way. And uh, uh, that's what really kind of set me and my tempo and how I, I wanted to, to do things as far as building programs and, and seeing what I could do uh, to help develop uh, young student athletes. Now, as you mentioned, uh, went from the, the bottom of the conference to uh, 75 and 53 overall by the time you left, 25 and 14 in conference play, uh, top 20 in 1984, um, six individual Big Ten champions, and six all Big Ten performers as well. So an incredible feat. And But something else is, as you mentioned, you were the Junior Davis Cup coach during that time as well. Um, some interesting names on that list that you coach Patrick McEnroe, Larry Scott, who is now the current commissioner of the Pac-12, uh, Luke Jensen, Richie Renenberg, uh, Rick Leach as well, uh, who is also former number one world doubles ranking. So you coached some pretty good youth players. What was that experience like? I mean, not only were you the coach of a program that you were trying to turn around in a hurry, but you were also coaching some of the United States top tennis players. Well, yeah, and I also had my own tennis camps at, in, uh, in the summer at Illinois. <laughs> it was a busy time. I loved it. It, it was great experience. Um, 
I, I will always cherish those moments that I had coaching the Junior Davis Cup team. Um, this was the best of the best. It was uh, We traveled uh, throughout the year with the top 12 juniors in the United States. And back then, we were the hotbed in the world. It was back in the 80s. So it was, it was a very interesting time. Um, I look now at a guy like Larry Scott, who's the commissioner uh, of the Pac-12, and I remember him being on our team, uh, preparing him and getting him ready to start his career at Harvard. And I look at him and I kind of watch him in his press conferences and I see things and he's just the same guy. He's just older. You know, he was a we had a really neat group of young men that went on to do some great things in tennis and out of tennis. And uh, yeah, that was a neat time. It was it was and, 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 and not to mention, I mean, their talent level was up there for sure. Now, do you still keep in contact with Larry Scott? I have. I think it's probably been five or six years. We had passed some notes, uh, and I haven't uh, talked to him. But but a lot of them I do. A lot of times, several years will go by, and we'll, it'll pop up. And you know, I was at the tennis center over here, our beautiful complex here in Surprise for OUAZ, and uh, one of the girls that was on the junior national girls team came running up, and I hadn't seen her in thirty years or so, and. So I guess it's a small world. We we do run into each other. So you're at Illinois. You're hosting your camps. And then come 1986, you go back to your alma mater, and you serve as the head women's tennis coach. What prompted the move, and, and when did you decide you wanted to go back to your alma mater? Well, that was kind of interesting. Um, the, the athletic director contacted me three different times and I gave him two no's and the third one was a yes over about a two week period. Uh, and it was more of a family decision. Um, well, my wife then and it was uh, her, her family and mine were both from um, Kansas, right on the border of the Oklahoma, Kansas. And I had an opportunity to go back and coach at my alma mater. And although I loved Illinois, and I love the Big Ten. I guess sometimes your heart's where you, it's at a place where at the time I thought, yeah, this is this is the right move to go back. And I was fortunate to have that opportunity and I loved every minute of it. So uh, I guess it was just more or less location, family, and alma mater all together. Yeah, and uh, I mean, a lot of people, I think, when you talk about OUAZ in general, a lot of people talk about family and, you know, wanting to be close to each other, and, and that's big for you, especially you hadn't been gone 10 years from that school before you had come back as the uh, head women's tennis coach. So did anything change drastically um, within those? I know you had mentioned, you know, a few of the buildings and where the athletes were living had, had changed a little bit, but when you came back, did it did it feel did it feel the same or was it a, a little bit a little bit weird at first. There was lots of little things. We went from burnt orange to bright orange. We went from the athletic dorms to people living in uh, uh, apartments. Uh, the facility that I played on at is now a parking, was then a parking lot, and they had a new facility for tennis. So uh, really in that 10-year period, a lot changed. And uh, so it was almost like going back to a little bit of a different place that the, the, the town had grown. And if you go back to Stillwater now, you'll see it's just a totally different place. Yeah, I'm surprised, uh, Kevin Steele, your love for Stillwater, and rightfully so, uh, Kevin Steele, the athletic director, being an Oklahoma guy himself, uh, 
I'm sure he tries to at least avoid talking about that <laughs> with yeah, you. Yeah, I feel bad for Kevin that he had experienced that, but uh, <laughs> he, he's still the greatest man ever. Yeah, a great man indeed, and, and <laughs> yourself being a great man. Um, the tenure ends in 1989, um, and you go on, uh, you serve as the director of tennis at the Nick Boletari Tennis Academy in Spain, then eventually founded the U.S. Tennis Academy in Delray Beach, Florida. So um, you leave Oklahoma State, and I mean, is the leaving Oklahoma State, what was Guess what was behind that? Did you want to explore different options in the tennis world? What were you looking for there? Right. Well, you know, times, they, they, opportunities come up and things happen. And, and so this was just one of those things that uh, it was time to, to try this. And so I kind of went for a few years there out on my own and did some things. I coached uh, a guy out on the tour, um, Bryce Karsh. Uh, we opened up a, a guy named Fritz Now and I, we opened up a tennis academy there in, in South Florida. And then I went over to Spain and helped bail out a tennis academy. So, and then I was the director in Atlanta for a couple of years at a big club. So I, I kind of did another, uh, stayed tennis, but uh, a different part of tennis. And uh, I'm glad I did. Yeah. Well, we're glad you did as well. You're bringing that professional experience. I mean, your experience, you know, Junior Davis Cup, college at the Division One level, different professional you know, circuits as well as developing your own tennis academy. So, I mean, such a, a well-rounded background, and, and I know we're lucky to have you here as the tennis coach. And you eventually jump back into college coaching in 06 where you go to Cowley College. What? Why did you jump back into uh, the college game again? Well, now, this is real interesting. I actually was the director of operations for about five years in New Orleans for the PGA Tour event. Uh, my good buddy was the executive director there, Rick George, who's now the Colorado athletic director. And he asked me if I'd come to, he just took this job and wanted me to come down and be his director of operations. So I got completely out of tennis and got into the golf world, which I loved. And uh, uh, then, then after he went on to the PGA Tour headquarters and my son was in Stillwater it, coming into his junior year and was the starting quarterback on the high school team and he was really getting into his junior and senior year so I went back to Stillwater for a year and just kind of took a, a little breather and spent time there and then as I was there Cali which is my hometown the junior college who one of my best friends had just resigned and so he was saying hey would you like to come back and and get back into the coaching, and I said, yeah, I think I would. So Cali is a wonderful junior college. My gosh, I love it. It's really a close play. Our, our family has a real lot of roots there, and we love it. And um, so I was thankful, and I got to be coaching there before. Uh, as I was there, um, Chris Young, who is the head coach at Wichita State, was looking for somebody to come and take over the men's program because he wanted to go to the women's program. So that's how I got then to Wichita. He, he recruited me to come up and get back. He said, do you want to get back into the D1 coaching? And I said, I don't think so. Um, but I said, I'll sure look at it because I, I, I love college. I just think that's a great time um, for, for the student athlete. So that's kind of how I got back into the college. And then from there, the best ever happened to me. And that's when Kevin Steele asked me to come and take a look at and, and he let me interview for this position. Yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, you go to Cali, Wichita State, you're there for a while, have a lot of success, but 
you've you've done it all almost in the tennis world and i mean like you said went to the pga tour doing operations when did you first hear about OUAZ, and, and what was that first discussion or two like about the school? Well, it's very, very interesting. I had just had the uh, operation uh, for the, the cancer, and so I wasn't sure at that point I wanted to keep coaching, and I laid it out to the Lord and just said, please tell me where you want me to go. And Ottawa had an opening or something, and I sent... I wanted to be associated in a, in a Christian university or a setting if I was going to do college again. I, I'd seen all the colleges I'd need, and I, I, I guess it might have been selfish. I just wanted to be around Christian. and and, and uh, So that's, I mean, what else can I say? It was <laughs> the Lord took it over, and I sent a resume to Ottawa, Kansas. Somehow it got down into Dr. Barnes' hands down here. And Dr. Barnes got a hold of me and said, man, you got a pretty good resume. We're thinking of opening up a school. And I said, I would maybe even be a counselor. I just want to be maybe. And he said, well, I'll get back with you. <laughs> and that was like six or seven months went by. And he called me around Christmas time, somewhere in that area. I can't remember, Seth, for sure. And he said, hey, we've got a, an unbelievable athletic director that's going to start an we're starting a new university and we're going to start with some coaches and and uh, it, was, it was just something I could pass on to the new AD because it was Dr. Barnes just bless his heart he just he kept me in his on his file and uh, I miss him he's a great man and so he got it to Kevin and Kevin called me I think in January or Feb January or February and said hey you want to come visit and I said oh man I sure do and uh, I got off the plane and I'd been here of course but uh, I don't know if I'd been here in January or February it's beautiful and I just left the Midwest junk so that was a good thing and so that kind of is what started that yeah I think that we've talked about first visit stories a lot on this podcast and a lot of people uh, the football head coach Mike Nesbitt had said you know I got off the plane in January February and it was amazing outside and you talked to men's assistant basketball coach Adam Hepker and he said I stepped outside in summer and told my wife to get back in the car so it's definitely depending on when you show up to to take a look at the campus oh yeah I bet there's all good stories all of us are somewhat similar but that was a good selling point for uh, coach Steele wasn't it to bring in some coaches for that but also surprise my gosh it's a beautiful town and it's grown what are we at 120 30,000 now and you know, I don't know about you, Seth. Uh, you're from this area, but I don't know how much time you'd spent on this side and with surprise, but it's a clean, beautiful little place. Yeah, it's uh, it's far from, I guess, technically where I grew up. I grew up in uh, East Glendale, but um, had some family members actually work for the city. And um, I, you know, I end up kind of knowing some people in the city as well. And you're right, it, it's a beautiful city. It's one one of the I think one of the fastest growing cities in America. I mean, with OUAZ stamping its name, you know, right in here, and it's kind of hard not to notice the big bright buildings when you drive by. You can't pretend that it's it's not here anymore. But before these buildings were here, it was parking lots with spring training spectating spectators cars and yellow flags and lines in the in the dirt. What was your first visit like to OUAZ, and and what were you thinking? 
you know, none of this was here when you first got here and, and made that visit? Well, I think I, I can't remember for sure, but I think Kevin took me up on the top, which we call, I think, is Eichner Point now, right? Yes. And I know I got up there eventually when I was recruiting, but I think Kevin might have taken me up there and and uh, said, this is where we're looking up for a dorm and a football and this and that. And, and uh, boy, it happened fast, you know. Uh, a lot of great people involved in f for it to happen like it did. But, you know, I guess as I look back, uh, it's hard to believe that, that none of this was there. None of this was here. Yeah, I mean, even as recent as last year for football season we were setting up in the scaffolding i mean at this time last year we were getting up as the sun's beating on us to try and get the the video board ready and uh, it's all here now the dorms are finished we're all in our offices and for you you have a beautiful tennis facility at your disposal i mean if we look down the press box to our left right now we could see the entire tennis facility uh, what is it like to have that tennis facility one that is really nice and, and really right next, literally next door to the school. Well, in all of my coaching, it's the it's the nicest facility I've been fortunate to, to, to coach at. So we use that as our recruiting, and, and it's helped us, but it's going to even help catapult us, I hope, to where we want to be, which is, you know, we do have lofty goals. We're going to get there. Uh, but I I can't tell you how fortunate and lucky we are to have a tennis facility like that. And... Uh, you know, it kind of speaks for itself. It's just nice. Yeah, it's gorgeous. just like every other facility we have here and, and that we use. And during your time here, you're starting to build, right? You know what it takes to build a program from the ground up. You were at Illinois when they were at the bottom. You brought them to the top of the Big Ten. Um, you've done it a lot. What does it take, especially at this level, it's a lot smaller level, to build a program from the ground up. What are some of those things that you learned at Illinois that you're applying to your programs here at OUAZ? Well, some of it's different and some of it's the same. You know, here um, it's, it's, it's a different kind of recruiting. I'm getting better at it. I'm, I'm learning from the coaches that I'm, I'm working with. Uh, I talk to them a lot. Um, there's one thing that 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 never goes away and that's just hard work you spend time and you talk to the recruits and you spend time over and over and I think one of the hard things about recruiting is you spend a lot of time and in three minutes it's a no or a yes and you've put all of that time in and you spend a lot of time and there's there aren't any real shortcuts in recruiting you've got to zero in on who you're going after and and you've got to spend time uh, the one thing that's been difficult for me here is the numbers. Tennis is a, def a different sport. There's just there, there's just not a ton of tennis players, especially on the girls' side in this area, and, and the supply and demand's tough. So I'm I'm still working on different ways of how we can uh, uh, do recruiting. I will tell you one area that I have not been good in that I'm now so excited is the technology part. Being an older guy, things change really fast. And I know that I've had to do things kind of with one hand tied behind my back. And I've, I'm still old school. And it takes me three times longer to do something where I've got Blake now and Peter, the GAs. And we just, like I say, we just finished a recruiting meeting uh, before I came over here to visit with you. And I'm just so excited because 
we've got new ideas and new things that I know we had to do that they're going to bring and help me with. Um, like I say, the hard work and the spending the time, but I used to be able to spend that time and I knew every minute was there. Now with technology, I'm spinning my wheels and not getting anywhere sometimes. And so um, I think it's harder for you at your age to realize how hard it is sometimes for us. Uh, that's not used as an excuse. It's just I'm, I guess I'm probably as excited right now as I've been since I started three years ago because I've got some youth that are going to really help with the areas that I've needed help in. No, I, I agree. I mean, you know, the smartphone, even when you talk about <laughs> some of the technology challenges, the smartphone came out, you know, really became big about 12 years ago. And now sometimes with my own phone, I bought a, a new Google phone during the Christmas season. Sometimes it still throws me curveballs. So I definitely understand. Well, and it's one of those things where as a coach and when it comes to coaching and athletes, right, it, it's, a, it's about a routine. It's about doing the same things over and over and, and with technology changing. And the way recruiting's changed really at the college level, just in general, it's now social media. It's highlight tapes. It's things of that nature. So like you said, it's it's a lot different. But you're working your way, and, and one of the ways the program has grown, or at least uh, on paper in terms of numbers it's shown, especially on the men's side, is a trip to the – NCCAA National Championships back in the spring of 2019 where uh, you came close. You were in the championship duel. You had already defeated Campbellsville earlier in that tournament, 5-3, uh, to three, end up losing 5-1 to one in the championship. But what was that experience like for you guys? I mean, you get to the championship of the GSAC tournament and the championship of the NCCAAs. What was that season? What was that experience like for that program? We we were right on the schedule like we wanted in, in that sec that last year. Um, we we had a good group early, and it, it stayed that same way as far as really close, really pushing each other on and off the court, doing things the right way. Um, the experience we had in the getting to the finals of the conference and then the NCCAA was priceless. We we were right there to, to win both of those. And uh, I think that right there said, hey, as far as tennis, we've done it in every sport. But that was the that was the, the thing that people said, yeah, OUAZ tennis is going to be around. And we, we're, we're still not where we want to be at all in numbers or in – uh, in any way, but we, I wouldn't trade the group we had that year or last year or the group we have coming in. I wouldn't trade them for anybody. Uh, and it's because, uh, we've got, a, you know, I think we've just kind of got a little bit of a reputation amongst ourselves of sportsmanship, doing things the right way. And, uh, looking after each other, taking care of each other, knowing that academics comes first, that we, you know, we're trying to do things every which way we can the right way and, and prepare these student athletes for the world that they're coming into, which is tough. And so I look at our success in that last year and as good as it was, um, I love the team, win or lose. Uh, I, I, that wasn't what made the year for me, but it was a great, it was a great year to, to be in the finals of both of those. Yeah, and unfortunately, uh, the men's and the women's side, I mean, men's couldn't 
really improve off of what was going on because or what happened the year before because of COVID and the women's team didn't get a chance to prove their improvements as well because of of the shutdown. So everything gets shut down uh, pretty early in March, relatively early in March. What was that discussion like with your team, and and what was the discussion? you know, kind of between you, yourself, and, and everybody else in the department with what was going on? How did that shutdown really affect both of your teams? You know, it was so fast. It was like one day I'm, I'm sitting in the office, and then the next day Kevin Steele's coming by saying, hey, pack your bags, guys, we're, we're out of here. And so I just contacted everybody and let them know, hey, we'll know more in another week or two. And then as time went, just kept them up on the things as they did and this and uh, the school did a great job you know as coaches I think we all did a good job letting all the student athletes know what was happening when it was happening uh, but uh, I think they got a double dose the university did a great job too in keeping up and on stuff with them yeah Dr. D- uh, Dennis Tyner doing a great job making sure everybody uh, knew what was going on and, and staying up to date. So, I mean, it, it was a tough time, but OUAZ navigates through it. We're back here on campus. I think there's a level of excitement, right? We get to see each other uh, for the first time that isn't through a computer screen in about five months. So I think that's <laughs> that's helped a lot. But for you, um, this upcoming year, we still aren't sure exactly when things are going to get going, but we're hoping by spring everybody's ready to play and, and it's healthy and safe. What are you looking for out of both of your programs next year? And and what are certain benchmarks to where you can say, okay, we took that next step as a program and, and we're continuing to trend in the right direction? Well, I, I think our guys team will be pretty much where we were this last year. Uh, we're bringing in a good, solid player from Poland that should be in our top three or so. And he was ready to come in August, had everything set. And then they did uh, they wouldn't let Poland in. Then they did another, and he had already changed his ticket, so he's coming in January. But our, our, our men's team uh, is pretty well set. Uh, we will be recruiting to see if we can bring in a couple, few more players in January. We'll be trying uh, to, st- to strengthen our program. But our men's team, solid. Our girls' team should take a big jump. Um, I spent the majority of my time January, February, March, before we had to leave, the offices here. Um, I think I signed like eight girls, and that's very hard to do uh, in tennis uh, right now. And uh, so our guys team took a little bit of a hit on the recruiting. Uh, I, I always recruit guys and girls equally all the time, but it seems like sometimes I have to put a little bit more emphasis on one of the teams. And our girls program had jumped down, had dropped a little to where uh, I spent most of my time there. So I think this year we can compete in the conference to see be up there with all of the teams on the girls' side. And uh, we'll always hopefully be fighting in there for the guys. Yeah, it, it seems like the tennis program, especially with your track record, it it's just ready to explode. You're just waiting, you know, that one season to, to get things turned around. And, and hopefully 2020 is that year. And, Brad, we really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for joining us. Is there any... Final thoughts, any final words you want to leave with the OUAZ community uh, before we wrap up today? I, I, I sure do. I, I, I get this opportunity to say thanks to everybody involved for giving me this opportunity. I, I mo- I'm more than blessed. Uh, I, I really love what's going on here. We as coaches have been through 
a lot since the start. Rules being changed. Things being changed here and there all the time. It's, and it's not been easy. But I think we've kept great attitudes. We know we're all into it for the same reason. I certainly don't have the answers. I think what everybody's doing is a great job. If I could do anything to contribute to that, the, their ears are open. They would listen to me. But I, I can't say I have anything that I could have done much differently or better than uh, Dr. Tyner, Dr. Eichner, Keith Johnson, and the others have done. They just work tirelessly. Um, they've got, for this position, probably the best athletic director they could have gotten. Uh, I've just enjoyed working for Kevin a lot. And, uh, you know, he's just been so supportive of everything for me. Uh, so I guess it's a time to shout out and say thank you. Uh, we're excited for this coming year uh, to see what we can do with our tennis programs. We're going to work hard to keep building and, and moving forward. Well, Brad, I know we're definitely looking forward to seeing what happens on the tennis court. I mean, probably couldn't have found the better guy for the tennis programs right now, especially with your track record. So looking forward to this 2020 season. And, uh, Brad, hopefully we're talking again soon. Really enjoy your time. Great stories for us. And, uh, yeah, like I said, hopefully we're talking again soon. Great. Thank you, Seth.